Hi, everybody. Welcome to It's in the Book. I'm your host, Kelly, and I am so glad you are joining me today. You could have been listening to any other podcast. You could have been doing something else with your time, but you are here today listening to me seeking revelation, confirmation, and affirmation from the word of God. So I thank you tremendously for the time that you've invested in listening today. Before we get into the content, I want to check in on those of you who are doing 40 Days of Focus. I know it's rough, but we're almost halfway there, y'all. It's like day 19, and um, I'm feeling better about so many of the things that I have been able to avoid. I feel stronger. I feel like I can endure the remaining half of (laughs) of the 40 days. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I know it's tough y'all. I know it's tough. And I think maybe what the Lord has for you today is going to help you in those areas where you're getting distracted. So sit tight, buckle up. Let's pray. Father, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayers of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servants prosper this day and grant us favor in the sight of great men. Lord, remove the scales from our eyes and soften our hearts to receive revelation, confirmation, and affirmation from the Holy Spirit through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So today... I want to read a passage of scripture that I have been meditating on for a while. And um, I mentioned in my last episode that I kind of planned on discussing like the sin issue, right? And how some of us are lukewarm or really just not necessarily understanding what being lukewarm looks like. So, The scripture I want to read today comes from the book of Acts, and it is chapter 20, verses 7 through, I'm sorry, through 12. I was going to say 11, but verses 7 through 12. And of course, I'm sure, again, y'all can hear me turning the pages of this big old Bible. (laughs) Um, But as I read the scripture today, or before I read the scripture today, I want to share with you the title for today's discussion, and that is Sinking Sand. Let's get into this word. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered, and in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, Do not trouble yourselves, 
for his life is in him. Now, when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive and they were not a little comforted. Y'all, let me tell you that the enemy has been busy. He has tried so many different ways today to get me not to record this episode. I mean, from minor things like distractions, which, well, those are not minor things, but distractions to getting me upset and frustrated with some other things to finally really just shutting my computer off while I was recording and so that, you know, so that half of my content never even recorded. He's just been super busy today. Um, But that just helps me to realize that what I have for you is for you, um, that God is going to set some people free uh, through the word of God today. And so let's dive right into this. Reading this text, one of the first things I notice is it's late. It's late at night. It's midnight. We know if it's midnight, it's probably dark. It's definitely dark, right? Um, It's not as dark as it could be, but it's definitely dark outside. And in this upper room, there are many lamps. So we know that this room is well lit. And whether you're looking at the lamps as a metaphor or, you know, literal lamps, either way, there's light in this room and there's a young man named Eutychus sitting in a window. And if you think about, if you, if you envision him sitting in a window, you have to think about the posture with which, or the positioning of his body, because when you sit on something that's not necessarily designed to be a seat, something that might be narrow or skinny, maybe the arm of a sofa or the arm of a chair, maybe Uh, a rail that, you know, um, you know that when you're sitting in on something like that, you're not just sitting with both your feet planted on the floor. Typically you're sitting maybe, especially if you're sitting there to listen, you're sitting there, um, kind of angled with maybe one of your legs propped up a little bit so that maybe you've only got one foot planted on the floor and the other leg is bent with your thigh and your knee kind of propped up in the on the windowsill. And as I imagined that, I thought about you know the 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 how dark it must have been outside because it was so late. And you're really talking about I mean you're really talking about it being so dark that there had to be many lamps. The text says there weren't many lamps in this in the upper room. So you have this juxtaposition of light and darkness. All right? Or or this contrast of light and darkness. So let's take a look really at I guess where I want to start is the meaning of some of the more prominent language here, the word window and the word sleep. So when we take a look at the word window and we, we kind of look at it in the original Greek, the original Greek of window is thura. 
And that means that the word Thura actually means portal. That's so good <laughs> already. The word Thura means portal. And the word sleep in the original Greek is hypnos, which actually means sleep in the spiritual, sleep that is spiritual. So what is the text telling us? That Eutychus was lingering in a portal. He was resting in a portal to darkness or a portal to light. This is getting good. <laughs> He's resting in a portal to darkness or a portal to light, but he is overcome by the darkness. He is overcome by a sleep, a sleep that is spiritual. That darkness, because biologically our bodies respond to darkness by falling asleep, that darkness lulls him to sleep. He falls out of this window and he is taken up dead. So as I took a look at this scripture, I'm asking myself, Lord, you know, like, what exactly are you saying here about this portal to light or to dark and sleep and how darkness affects sleep? And I began to get this revelation that Eutychus represents those of us who are lukewarm, those of us who are straddling the fence, those of us who are living lives of sin, and we kind of take God off of the shelf whenever we need him or whenever we want him around. And it's so interesting that the window, that, that the word uh, window is thura in the Greek or portal, because we often enter, we willingly enter portals into darkness. How can I say that better? In some of the choices that we make that satisfy our flesh, the things that we choose to entertain ourselves, the company we choose to keep, the things that we, the activities that we choose to engage in, we are accessing portals to darkness. And what does that darkness do but overcome us, overtake us, and eventually kill us? I need to say that another way. When you are overtaken by darkness, and, and, and I'm not talking about metaphorical darkness, the spiritual darkness, I'm talking about the actual darkness. When you are overtaken by darkness, that darkness helps your body to feel like it's time to go to sleep. What happens when you go to sleep? Your eyes are closed. You have to close your eyes to go to sleep. Well, some of, most of us. I know some people who sleep with their eyes open. It's creepy. Don't do that. Wear a mask. But when we are asleep, our eyes are closed. And so in other, you know, in, in another way to say that is that the darkness blinds us. The darkness blinds us, lulls us to sleep, and then kills us. 
What's really powerful about this is this was a young man who wanted to hear Paul speak. He wanted to hear Paul's message about Jesus. He wanted to hear Paul's message about the love of Christ. He was halfway, he was sitting in this portal and he could have fallen in a different direction. He could have leaned toward the light. But see, that's not how it works, is it? No. The light can't overcome you because the light is a choice. The darkness is a choice as well, but the darkness is seducing. The darkness, it satisfies your flesh so that you can't let it go. Well, you could, (laughs) but it's going to require so much effort. And what does it do to help you, to, to keep you from using that effort exercising that effort to step out of darkness, well, it blinds you so that you don't even know that you're in the dark, so that you're not even aware that the life that you're living is a lukewarm life, a life in which you are straddling the fence. We have a very real problem right now in our society in which so many of us are on sinking sand. So many of us are building homes on sinking sand. What do I mean by that? The very foundation of your faith is unstable because you have built your faith on a lifestyle. You have built your faith on the practice of living the way the world lives and rubbing your Bible like it's going to release God, like some kind of genie who's going to save you from your issues. I've said this before and I say it often. Everybody wants a savior. Nobody wants a Lord. Lukewarm folks want a savior. Lukewarm folks say, listen, this is how I am. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. This is what I, this is what I want to be. And then when somebody in their family gets sick, they get into a little bit of trouble financially. One of their kids gets, you know, into some legal trouble. They run to Jesus. That's lukewarm. We cannot afford to be building houses on sinking sand. We have to be all in this thing. But I would say this, that the church is a hospital for sick people. It is the place where you are both diagnosed and treated. Sometimes you don't know that you have a problem. Sometimes, sometimes you don't know that you have a problem because your relationship with God does not allow you to hear from him in a way that chastises and convicts you. You are not aware that the Lord don't want you to listen to profane music 
and I didn't say secular, it's nothing wrong with secular music because not all secular music is profane. So it's important that you understand that the church and your word is where you learn what pleases and displeases God. And when you learn what pleases and displeases God through your church and through your Bible, then you will develop or you will begin to sense holy conviction and chastisement. I say water in, water out. If you're doing 40 days of focus, it's something that I've you know written in our plan. It is something that I've said, and I, I want to say in episode one of this podcast, water in, water out. What you put into yourself is what will come out of yourself. What you put into your eye gate and your ear gate, these are the things that come out of your mouth. And they they and you know why they come out of your mouth? Because they're in your heart. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you keep exposing yourself to people and uh, entertainment that is profane, profanity goes into your heart and profanity comes out of your mouth. Now, some folks don't believe that the word of God says you can't cuss. I do not believe that the Bible is explicit in stating whether or not you can use obscenities. However, I believe that the Lord will convict you according to the spiritual laws and biblical principles that we pull from scripture and that relationship that you have with the Lord and your under understanding of the text will allow you to sense holy conviction and holy chastisement whenever you do something that is not explicitly outlined as sin in scripture. As for me and my house, cussing is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. If you cannot use that language on your job, and I personally think, you know, but the workforce has changed a lot. <laughs> but if you can't use that language on your job, if you can't use that language in an interview, you recognize that it ain't right. It just makes sense. If you can't use that language in a job interview, then you shouldn't use it. Moment of transparency here. I had an issue with foul language. I used to cuss like a sailor and my husband is a sailor and I used to cuss worse than him. But I recognized that what was going into my ear gate and my eye gate was poor, was, was filling up my heart. And so that was what was coming out of my mouth because that's what was going into me. So I stopped watching and listening to things that use that kind of language. There are certain environments that I just don't place myself in because I know that it's going to be full of people who act away or, or, you know, speak away that does not align with my principles, the principles that I adopt from scripture. But I think that some of us have been in these environments so long and we have developed a habit or the practice, like I said, of, of 
living whatever way we want and then taking God off the shelf whenever we want him or need him, that we no longer even see that it is dark. The craziest thing is that the world boldly glorifies demonic behavior. The world boldly glorifies Satan. We don't see it. Some of us are engaging in things. Some of us are making idols of entertainers or idols of people in our lives who have no I, I don't even I don't even know if they I don't even know if the right way to uh, refer to describe them is amoral, but they don't even seem to have a moral compass. These people that we are following, these people whose lyrics we recite over and over and over like a chant or a spell, they are saying things to us or they are saying, yes, to us. They're saying these things to us. They're saying things to us. We're regurgitating them not necessarily realizing that what we're saying does not glorify God. I don't play with no demons. I don't play with no demons. And I want y'all to know that Lucifer was God's most beautiful angel. That means that the devil ain't gonna show up looking like a demon to you. He's gonna show up looking like something you love. I just, listen, you know, I don't want to be too extreme. I'm just trying to tell y'all that demonic activity is in a lot of the things that we allow access or that we access. There is demonic activity present in so much of the things, so many of the things that feel good to us. So many of the things that we keep saying we can't let go of. We cannot afford to be building houses on sinking sand. We have to be all in this thing. It's okay, you guys, to be set apart. It's okay to be different. It's okay not to do what the world does. They don't have any problem boldly glorifying Satan in front of you. Why you can't boldly glorify God? Why can we not boldly say, listen, that is against God. And I'm not going for it. That's it. People are boldly, boldly worshipers of, of all things demonic. Some of your favorite artists are dressed like demons. Some of your favorite artists are playing with the devil. Some of your favorite artists are, 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 are worshiping ancestors. Oh, I don't want to step on nobody's toes with that, but mm-mm. Some of your favorite artists are talking about zodiac signs. Some of your favorite artists are talking to the dead. Come on now. You have to make a choice. And so, and honestly, the thing that'll help you make that choice is getting into your word and, and realizing that you're sinning. I, I believe that... Some of us don't even realize that's what we're doing. 
I do believe that some of us are in sin. We have no idea. You can't stop cussing. You can't stop getting drunk. You can't stop getting high. You can't stop doing all the things and you can't figure out why. You have no idea why you're stuck in this cycle. I believe that that is true for some of us. And I think we haven't, I think some of us have not figured out that we need to check our intake to figure out why the exhaust is so dark. I mean, that's just an indicator that we need to go back into our Bibles and look for spiritual laws and biblical principles to guide our lives. The purpose of this podcast, the purpose of It's in the Book, is to give listeners a revelation that the answers you seek, the guidance you need, the relationship that you're chasing, all the details are in the book. We don't read our Bibles. And as a teacher, I've learned, well, as an English teacher, I've learned that we don't read in general. We don't read emails. We don't read social media posts. We don't read novels for leisure. We don't read street signs. We don't read uh, traffic signs. We don't read. As a society, as a nation, we don't read. I'm going to leave y'all with a statistic because I like statistics. And, um, you know, as an educator, I am a, I use data to inform instruction, right? So I always look at the numbers. I measure how my students are performing in a wide variety of ways. I'm not going to get into that, but I measure how they're performing in what areas they are excelling and in what areas they are experiencing challenges. And I use that data to inform my instruction. I don't care what the district says. I don't care what the county says. I don't care what anybody says. In the classroom, numbers don't lie. So I use those numbers to help me figure out how I can best serve these future leaders of America or of the world, honestly. So anyway, I live in the state of Maryland, okay? Love it here, by the way. Maryland, for those of you who don't know how our education is uh, or the quality of our education, Maryland is the fifth best public school in, or public school system in the country, number five. Number five, okay? So that makes you wonder how the 45 other states are doing, but I digress. In the fifth best performing public school in the nation, in 2022, only 27% of eighth graders were proficient in reading. 27% were proficient. Do you know what proficiency means? That means reading on grade level. Of that 27%, 5% mastered reading, which means they read well enough to be passed on to the next grade. How many of them went to the next grade? Almost 100% of them. We have a problem with reading in general in this country. We don't read, okay? And if you've listened to the trailer, you know I say leaders are readers. Yes, even audiobook readers. So reading is important. 
And I think reading audiobooks is important. I mean, I, I personally, when I read an audiobook, I follow along with the actual book. So yeah, I pay twice as much. Well, not twice as much, but I pay twice. But guess what? I'm reading, right? We have to read. And a huge part of why some of us are struggling in our relationships with God, why we're straddling the fence, why we're lukewarm is because we don't read the basics in the basic instruction for our faith, which is what the Bible, the Holy Bible, whatever translation you prefer, you know, some people struggle with, oh, okay, I don't understand the King James version. There are like 200 different translations of the Bible. You don't have to read the King James. I like me a little, you know, I said this before, I like me a little, thus saith the Lord, the thou, though, and thus. I like it. I grew up that way, but everybody who didn't grow up reading the word of God might not necessarily, especially not reading it in the King James, might not necessarily understand that. But you have an NIV, you have the message, you have the ESV, you have the CEB. I put my clients on, and by the way, although my business is not faith-based, it is faith-filled. Okay, so do I pray for my clients and do I pray with my clients and do I give them godly uh, instruction? Absolutely. Uh, so don't send your babies to me if you don't want them to hear about Jesus, because we're going to talk about Jesus. Um, but I was just telling one of my clients last night, he's, you know, he's reading his Bible and he say he doesn't understand. And I say, well, there's an international children's Bible. He had no clue. Now, I want you to know that he's growing up in a home where both of his parents are believers. Both of his parents go to church regularly. They attend Bible study. These are believers, but they have a child who was not aware that there was a children's interpretation of the Bible or a children's translation. So that made me think as a parent, am I doing what I need to do to keep my children reading their Bible? Because I cannot be telling listeners on a podcast to read their Bibles and my children are reading theirs without understanding because they are reading their Bibles. And so, this is really a cry out to you. If you are listening to this, read your Bible. Read your, you're listening to this because you want to be close to the Lord. Or you love me and I praise God. <laughs> I praise God that you love me, but I want you to love Jesus first. But you're here because God has called you to be here listening. And he wants you to know that there is the answer to everything that you are looking for. Every question you have is in the Bible, every question you have. And even those answers that are not explicitly stated, like I mentioned before, reading your Bible helps you develop a relationship with God, one in which the Holy Spirit can convict you and chastise you for those sins or those things that you do that are not explicitly rebuked in scripture. Some things are spelled out for us, but some things because of the historical context are not spelled out for us. And we have to use conviction from the Holy Spirit. There are some things that are sins for some and not sins for others. Alcoholics should not be drinking. 
That's a sin for them. But for those of us who don't get drunk and we enjoy wine every now and then, and then by those of us, I mean me, <laughs> y'all know I don't miss a wine festival now. I love me some wine. But for those of us who who are, are not getting drunk, but we just enjoy a glass of wine every now and again, not for the sake of intoxication, but because biblically, the, biblically wine is a metaphor for joy. Come on, somebody, it's in the book. Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding. Why? Wine is a metaphor for joy. That's not the only reason he did it, but he was okay with it, right? So, but for me, there's no conviction attached to drinking. There is conviction attached to listening to profane music, listening to music that, you know, has a lot of foul language in it because I used to talk like that. So the Lord doesn't, he makes me, the Lord makes me uncomfortable with those things now because they do something, they affect, they affect me spiritually. So again, I just, I implore you to read your Bible. I implore you to set aside time to read your word. I am, I, I, I cannot stress enough how devastating it will be to your relationship with God if you don't read your book. If you don't read your Bible, you are not a follower of the way. You are a fan of your pastor. That's it. If you are not reading the book, if you are not reading the Bible, okay, you are not a follower of Jesus because you don't even know who Jesus is. How can you know who Jesus is and you haven't read his story? If you're not reading your Bible, you are not a follower of Jesus. You are a fan of your pastor or a fan of your preacher. And that's it. So I think I have said enough. <laughs> I think I've said enough. Um, I'm gonna let y'all get out of here. I gotta get out of here. I, you know, I'm homeschooling and I'm doing all the things. Uh, and so I got to get to my babies, but I want you to know that I love you. And somebody, somebody said to me last week, you be eating us up. I'm really not trying to. What I see in you is what I saw in me. And I'm just trying to give y'all the 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 guidance that i wish somebody had given me my faith was developed at a very tough season in my life i had to go through serious hardships in order to learn what i've learned about my faith about the way and i would prefer that you not have to go through it if i could just tell you how to get to the place where you're so close to God that you don't second guess your decisions, that you don't, that, that you can, that you have discernment, that you're hearing from him and you're not confused about whether or not that's his voice. So I'm gonna let y'all go. I'm gonna pray us out. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I hope that y'all receive this in love. <laughs> I'm speaking the truth in love. Shout out to my friend, Lovely. Um, who speaks the truth in love, truth in love empowers. Y'all should check her out on Instagram. Um, 
but yeah, you know, I, I, I speak the truth in love y'all. I speak the truth in love. And, um, I, I just, I, I want you to know a couple things that Jesus loves you tremendously. He broke his body for you, gave up his life for you, conquered death and the grave for you. Will you get to know him today? I hope you will. All right. I'm going to pray us out. Lord, we worship you. We call you Jehovah Taktishan. You are the Lord, our master strategist. So I know that those who are listening today received a word from you. They were in the right place at the appointed time when they needed to hear from heaven. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your strategy and your plan. Lord, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you for relationship with you. I thank you that you allowed me to go through hardship so that I could have a testimony that would spare others. God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that from my pain, you have birthed wisdom, oh God, that I can use to save your people. Lord, you are so good in everything that you do, that even when we are even when we are in the darkness, Lord, lingering between darkness and light, God, flirting with the adversary, God, allowing the enemy to seduce us, Lord, that there you are as a gentleman, reminding us, tugging on our hearts and waiting patiently for us to fix our sights on you. God, I just ask, Lord, that those who heard today will not be ashamed to return to you and say, Lord, I want more of you and I want to give you all of me. Lord, would you lean on their hearts, God? Would you rest on, would you just rest on their hearts, God? Just chastise them and convict them so heavily, God, that they need to face the wall like Hezekiah and pray Lord, pray the prayer of salvation. Welcome you back into their hearts. Welcome you back as the head of their lives, oh God. And if they've never known you, God, that they would see you now, that they would come to you now and openly receive your love and submit and surrender, God, all of their cares, God, that you would break the yoke of bondage, that you would lift the heavy burdens off of them, God, so that they might taste and see just how good you are, that they might want no other life, God, but what you offer. Lord, and would you touch us to read, Lord? That sounds like a joke, God, but I'm not joking. Lord, could you just open up the time, Lord, to allow us to read and when we read, God, to read your word, to read your story, to read more about you, to learn more about spiritual laws and biblical principles that we can use to guide our lives, God, would you do it? Would you bring your people to you, God? Lord, I thank you. I praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that I ask all these things, knowing that you've already said yes, amen.
All right, y'all, I got to go. Thank you so much for tuning in to It's in the Book with your host, Kelly. I am always tremendously grateful that you tune in and support this podcast. I know that you could be listening to another podcast. I know that you could be doing something else with your time, but you choose to support It's in the Book by tuning in. So tremendous thanks to you um, always, 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 always. Thank you so, so much. And I hope that when you tune in, you get revelation, right? That that you always learn something new um, or that you get a new perspective. And, and I hope that it confirms some things for you that you've already been hearing from the Lord and the Lord just speaks through me to you so that he can say, yeah, this is the thing I've been trying to tell you, right? But I also hope that the word affirms you, that you are always um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like that you are always sure or reassured of God's love for you and empowered to act in faith and arrest your fear because you know that God loves you, right? God is everything, but above all, well, he is all things, but evil, but above all, he is love. He is love. And because he loves you, I love you. Okay. Until next week. Bye.